0: Chapter Number Thirty-One of The Law and the Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vipka Muller. The Law and the Lady by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Thirty-One. The Defence of Mrs. Bowley. The days that elapsed before Major Fitz David's dinner party were precious days to me my long interview with miserrimus dexter had disturbed me far more seriously than i suspected at the time it was not until some hours after i had left him that i really began to feel how my nerves had been tried by all that i had seen and heard during my visit at his house i started at the slightest noise i dreamed of dreadful things i was ready to cry without reason at one moment and to fly into a passion without reason at another absolute rest was what i wanted and thanks to my good benjamin was what i got the dear old man controlled his anxieties on my account and spared me the questions which his fatherly interest in my welfare made him eager to ask it was tacitly understood between us that all conversation on the subject of my visit to miserrimus dexter of which it is needless to say he strongly disapproved should be deferred until repose had restored my energies of body and mind i saw no visitors mrs macallan came to the cottage and major FitzDavid came to the cottage one of them to hear what had passed between miserrimus Dexter and myself and the other to amuse me with the latest gossip about the guests at the forthcoming dinner benjamin took it on himself to make my apologies and to spare me the exertion of receiving my visitors we hired a little open carriage and took long drives in the pretty country lane still left flourishing within a few miles of the northern suburb of london at home we sat and talked quietly of old times or played at pergammon and dominoes and so for a few happy days led the peaceful unadventurous life which was good for me when the day of the dinner arrived i felt restored to my customary health i was ready again and eager again for the introduction to lady clorinda and the discovery of mrs bowley benjamin looked a little sadly at my flushed face as we drove to major fitz david's house ah oh, my dear he said in a simple way i see you are well again you have had enough of our quiet life already my recollection of events and persons in general at the dinner-party is singularly indistinct i remember that we were very merry and as easy and familiar with one another as if we had been old friends i remember that madame merlifleur was unapproachably superior to the other women present in the perfect beauty of her dress and in the ample justice which she did to the luxurious dinner set before us I remember the major's young prima donna more round eyed, more overdressed, more shrill and strident as the coming queen of song than ever. I remember the major himself always kissing our hands, always luring us to indulge in dainty dishes and drinks, always making love, always detecting resemblances between us, always under the charm and never once out of his character as elderly Don Juan from the beginning of the evening to the end i remember dear old benjamin completely bewildered drinking into corners blushing when he was personally drawn into the conversation frightened at madame merlyfleur bashful with lady clarinda submissive to the major suffering under the music and from the bottom of his honest old heart wishing himself home again and there as to the members of that cheerful little gathering my memory finds its limits with one exception The appearance of Lady Clarinda is as present to me as if I had met her yesterday, and of the memorable conversation which we two held together privately toward the close of the evening it is no exaggeration to say that I can still call to mind absolutely every word. I see her dress, I hear her voice again while I write. She was attired, I remember, with that extreme assumption of simplicity which always defeats its own end by irresistibly suggesting art she wore plain white muslin over white silk without trimming or ornament of any kind her rich brown hair dressed in defiance of the prevailing fashion was thrown back from her forehead and gathered into a simple knot behind without adornment of any sort a little white ribbon encircled her neck fastened by the only article of jewellery that she wore a tiny diamond brooch. She was unquestionably handsome, but her beauty was of the somewhat hard and angular type which is so often seen in English women of her race-the nose and chin too prominent and too firmly shaped, the well opened gray eyes full of spirit and dignity but wanting in tenderness and mobility of expression her manner had all the charm which fine breeding can confer exquisitely polite easily cordial showing that perfect yet unobtrusive confidence in herself which in england seems to be the natural outgrowth of pre-eminent social rank if you had accepted her for what she was on the surface you would have said here is the model of a noble woman who is perfectly free from pride and if you had taken a liberty with her on the strength of that conviction she would have made you remember it to the end of your life we got on together admirably i was introduced as mrs woodville by previous arrangement with the major effected through benjamin before the dinner was over we had promised to exchange visits nothing but the opportunity was wanting to lead lady Clorinda into talking as i wanted her to talk of mrs bowley late in the evening the opportunity came i had taken refuge from the terrible bravura singing of the Major's strident prima donna in the back drawing-room as i had hoped and anticipated after a while lady clarinda missing me from the group around the piano came in search of me she seated herself by my side out of sight and out of hearing of our friends in the front room and to my infinite relief and delight touched on the subject of miserrimus dexter of her own accord something i had said of him when his name had been accidentally mentioned at dinner remained in her memory and led us by perfectly natural graduation into speaking of mrs bowley at last i thought to myself the major's little dinner will bring me my reward and what a reward it was when it came my heart sinks in me again as it sank on that never-to-be-forgotten evening while i sit at my desk thinking of it so dexter really spoke to you of mrs Bowley," exclaimed lady Clorinda. you have no idea how you surprise me may i ask why he hates her the last time I saw him he wouldn't allow me to mention her name. It is one of his innumerable oddities. If any such feeling as sympathy is a possible feeling in such a nature as his, he ought to like Helena Bowley. She is the most completely unconventional person I know. When she does break out, poor dear, she says things and does things which are almost reckless enough to be worthy of Dexter himself. I wonder whether you would like her. You have kindly asked me to visit you, Lady Clarinda. Perhaps I may meet her at your house.' i hope you will not wait until that is likely to happen she said helena's last whim is to fancy that she has got the gout of all the maladies in the world she is always at some wonderful baths in hungary or bohemia i don't remember which and where she will go or what she will do next it is perfectly impossible to say dear mrs woodwill is the heat of the fire too much for you you are looking quite pale i felt that i was looking pale The discovery of Mrs. Bowley's absence from England was a shock for which I was quite unprepared. For a moment it unnerved me. "'Shall we go into the other room?' asked Lady Clarinda. "'To go into the other room would be to drop the conversation. I was determined not to let that catastrophe happen. It was just possible that Mrs. Bowley's maid might have quitted her service, or might have been left behind in England. My information would not be complete until I knew what had become of the maid.' i pushed my chair back a little from the fireplace and took a handscreen from a table near me it might be made useful in hiding my face if any more disappointments were in store for me thank you lady clarinda i was only a little too near the fire i shall do admirably here you surprise me about mrs Bowley. from what mr dexter said to me i had imagined oh you must not believe anything dexter tells you interposed lady clarinda he delights in mystifying people and he purposely misled you i have no doubt if all that i hear is true he ought to know more of helena bowley's strange freaks and fancies than most people he all but discovered her in one of her adventures down in scotland which reminds me of the story in auber's charming opera ah what is it called i shall forget my own name next i mean the opera in which the two nuns slip out of the convent and go to the ball listen how very odd that vulgar girl is singing the castanet song in the second act at this moment major what opera is the young lady singing from the major was scandalized at this interruption he bustled into the back room whispered Hush, hush, my dear lady, the domino noir, and bustled back again to the piano. Of course, said Lady Clarinda, how stupid of me, the domino noir, and how strange that you should forget it too i had remembered it perfectly but i could not trust myself to speak if as i believe the adventure mentioned by lady clarinda was connected in some way with mrs bowley's mysterious proceedings on the morning of the twenty-first of october i was on the brink of the very discovery which it was the one interest of my life to make i held the screen so as to hide my face and said in the steadiest voice that i could command at the moment pray go on tell me what the adventure was Lady Clarinda was quite flattered by my eager desire to hear the coming narrative. "'I hope my story will be worthy of the interest which you are so good as to feel in it,' she said. "'If you only knew Helena, it is so like her. I have it, you must know, from her maid. She has taken a woman who speaks foreign languages with her to Hungary, and she has left the maid with me. A perfect treasure. I should be only too glad if I could keep her in my service. She has but one defect, a name I hate—Phoebe.' Well, Phoebe and her mistress were staying at a place near Edinburgh, called I think Gleninch. The house belonged to that Mr. Macallan, who was afterward tried. You remember it, of course, for poisoning his wife. A dreadful case, but don't be alarmed. My story has nothing to do with it. My story has to do with Helena Bowley one evening while she was staying at Gleninch, she was engaged to dine with some English friends visiting Edinburgh the same night also in edinburgh there was a masked ball given by somebody whose name i forget the ball almost an unparalleled event in scotland was reported to be not at all a reputable affair all sorts of amusing people were to be there ladies of doubtful virtue you know and gentlemen on the outlying limits of society and so on helena's friends had contrived to get cards and were going in spite of the objections in the strictest incognito of course trusting to their masks and helena herself was bent on going with them if she could only manage it without being discovered at gleninch mr macallan was one of the straight-laced people who disapproved of the ball no lady he said could show herself at such an entertainment without compromising her reputation what stuff well helena in one of her wildest moments hit on a way of going to the ball without discovery which was really as ingenious as a plot in a french play she went to the dinner in the carriage from gleninch having sent phoebe to edinburgh before her it was not a grand dinner a little friendly gathering no evening dress when the time came for going back to gleninch what do you think helena did she sent her maid back in the carriage instead of herself phoebe was dressed in her mistress's cloak and bonnet and veil she was instructed to run upstairs the moment she got to the house leaving on the hall table a little note of apology written by helena of course pleading fatigue as an excuse for not saying good-night to her host the mistress and the maid were about the same height and the servants naturally never discovered the trick phoebe got up to her mistress's room safely enough there her instructions were to wait until the house was quiet for the night and then to steal up to her own room while she was waiting the girl fell asleep she only awoke at two in the morning or later it didn't much matter as she thought she stole out on tiptoe and closed the door behind her before she was at the end of the corridor she fancied she heard something she waited until she was safe on the upper story and then she looked over the banister there was dexter so like him hopping about on his hands did you ever see it the most grotesquely horrible exhibition you can imagine there was dexter hopping about and looking through keyholes evidently in search of the person who had left the room at two in the morning and no doubt taking phoebe for her mistress seeing that she had forgotten to take her mistress's cloak off her shoulders the next morning early helena came back in a hired carriage from edinburgh with a hat and mantle borrowed from her english friends she left the carriage in the road and got into the house by way of the garden without being discovered this time by dexter or by anybody clever and daring wasn't it and as i said just now quite a new version of the domino noir you will wonder as i do how it was that dexter didn't make mischief in the morning he would have done it no doubt but even he was silenced as phoebe told me by the dreadful event that happened in the house on the same day my dear mrs woodwill the heat of this room is certainly too much for you take my smelling bottle let me open the window i was just able to answer pray say nothing let me slip out into the open air i made my way unobserved to the landing and sat down on the stairs to compose myself where nobody could see me in a moment more I felt a hand lay gently on my shoulder, and discovered good Benjamin looking at me in dismay. Lady Clorinda had considerately spoken to him, and had assisted him in quietly making his retreat from the room, while his host's attention was still absorbed by the music. My dear child, he whispered, what is the matter? Take me home, and I will tell you, was all that I could say. End of chapter 31